the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Just looking at the market data here really quickly so I can get an idea. I can tell you where the uh, current bond yields are. 30-year bond, 2.17. That's actually up a little bit from off of its lows. The 10-year, 1.49. The uh, one-year, 0.050. Wow. So you've got to go out to past seven years to get a bond from the federal government that'll pay more than 1%. If the federal government were to raise interest rates at this point with the amount of debt that's been issued, the interest on the debt payment would be the single largest item on the federal budget. (laughs) So (laughs) the chances of that happening anytime soon, I don't know if anybody's that dumb yet. Sooner or later, Somebody will try it, and the wailing and gnashing of teeth will be all the people in the in the country, and the Chinese, since they hold so much of our long-term debt, every time you raise interest rates, long-term bonds drop. Uh, if they drop like they're supposed to, you raise interest rates 1%, a 30-year bond will typically go down about 10 or 15%, uh, which for them is probably half a trillion dollars. <laughs> so uh, they may do it in... <laughs> They may do it for that reason. I don't know. I'm just kidding. But anyway, the the bottom line is that interest rates probably not going up anytime real soon. Uh, Where does that leave stocks? Well, historically, you know, stocks are at valuations that are above average. Not not by so much that like depression era corrections, 85% in the the Dow. Probably not going to happen. Uh, if interest rates were to go up, you would start to see the stock prices dropping fairly fairly significantly. Not sure how long that would last. Nobody really is. But I think the likelihood of that happening is pretty remote. And the other thing that we have going for ourselves right now is that the economy is growing at a really fast rate. The economy had come to nearly a complete halt during the Depression. It had come to a, nearly a complete halt now. The reason I'm talking about this is the number of people in America who have $100,000 or more to invest are predominantly people that are above the age of 60. So I'm speaking to you and all you millennials, 
I apologize. I know you're not interested in this stuff and you don't know anything about it and don't really want to know. So that's, um, that's fine. There are other radio stations you can listen to the next hour. <laughs> I am just kidding, really. I'm hoping that you, know, that, that you, that you are concerned, or just not even concerned, but interested. I was incredibly interested when I first got started in this business. There was this company called High Sales. And they were purchased. I can't even remember who owns them now. But they provided data and databases from stocks, uh, the S&P 500. You could do what was called a hypothetical illustration. You could go back, say, what if I started with $1,000 in the Dow Jones Industrial Average in 1926? That's when the database started in that software. And it would show you what that would be worth today. All the dividends. You could actually add a, uh, a cost there for management. Let's show you what that's worth. And you could, I, I, I can't tell you how many hours I have just playing with that, seeing what happens. What happens if inflation gets back up to 13.5%? That was the government statistic, by the way. It was actually probably closer to 15 or 16, but that happened in the 1970s. Why did that happen? What happened to the stock market? What happened to the bond market while that was going on? Uh, what happened during, uh, right after World War II? They started raising interest rates. Now, this was interesting because the debt after World War II was right about the same level it is today relative to the size of the economy. Now, think about that. The debt. You know, you ever see pictures, old pictures? Go to Google. Do war bonds from World War II. Just Google that, that topic. You'll have all kinds of articles, pictures. You'll, you'll be able to see what the war bonds were. So the United States government was borrowing money to build tanks and and buy equipment, you know, uniforms, all this stuff to go into this world war and they had to borrow the money to do it. So the debt that we had accumulated was actually 145% of, of our gross domestic product, which uh, basically is the measure of all the, the output of the economy. And that's about where we are today. So guess what happened after world war two? The market didn't crash. The market was always volatile, but it started a really, really, really long trajectory. In fact, despite the fact that they started raising interest rates because they weren't as sophisticated back then as they are now, and you didn't have Google to, to search and watch what Congress was doing, the uh, Thomas Register didn't exist. That was the, it's one of the companies that, that reports on what Congress does, and uh, you, you can see almost everything in there. By the way, that's free today and uh so none of that stuff existed so people really didn't know and they didn't get as much uh kickback you know when, whenever they tried to do something like that so it, it's fascinating when people say you know it's different this time um they're right it's always different it's never exactly the same when you're looking at the differences trying to figure out are these good differences or bad differences could mean the difference between having uh, enough money to retire comfortably on and not having it. Because if you're skeptical and you're holding your money in short-term CDs right now, earning less than 1%, I got news for you. Inflation and taxes are, are going up faster than the interest that you're getting on those CDs. So you've got to find something else to do with that. 
And uh, the other thing that's that's a whole lot different about this time is, yeah, we were growing pretty quickly after World War II. There were lots of advances made in technology. Uh, actually, in the 1950s, we went to war again in Korea. Uh, anytime you're spending that kind of money, you're, you're accumulating more debt. And uh, But we were actually, the economy was growing so fast that we were actually paying debt down. And uh, so the tax code, by the way, was significantly more complicated than it is today, if you can imagine that. <laughs> and there were a lot more loopholes for uh, really rich people. Uh, today, they don't get as many loopholes. People are very envious of wealthy people. And wealthy people do pay a lot of taxes. They don't pay the same rates that we do. 30% of you know, $100,000 or 30% of, of $50,000 is a lot of money for somebody who's only making $50,000 a year. When you add all the taxes that a state, local, federal, Social Security, Medicaid, right around 30%, you know, all the taxes. You take 30% of a million dollars, that's $300,000. <laughs> so they're paying the same, it, but it just doesn't seem like that much. And, and for them to get a break when they're making more money, that that does not seem right to me. <laughs> that hey, congratulations! Not only did you make a whole lot more money, we're going to take less in taxes. Yeah, I just think it should be equitable, uh, and I am so glad I am not in charge of that. Uh, the guy who has to make those decisions, because I'm going to tell you, it costs a whole lot more money to live in downtown New York City or Chicago or even Cleveland for that matter than it does to live out in a suburb. So. How do you tax people equitably? Some people that are paying 50 or 60% of their, their monthly income just towards rent on an apartment someplace. Go, go look in Los Angeles, see how cheap the uh, real estate is there. So that is just a tough call. It's a tough call. I see, I guess I, I'm empathetic with all sides <laughs> because when you are making a lot of money, it is a lot. And then this thing is, they're calling, a, they're creating a donut hole which will eventually get closed where they're starting to you know, tax the Social Security tax on people that have above $400,000 in, in income. Um, the, uh, is that fair? I don't know. You know. I don't know. Can they afford it? Yeah, probably. Yeah, because... I don't know anybody. I've been doing what I do for a very long time period. You know, there's, I, I've, I've yet to see the person who doesn't. Not, not actually, I take that back. I, I, I see very few people who never waste any money. And if they do waste it, it's an accident because they're so careful with everything that they spend. Now, they are definitely unique. Most, the vast majority of people are, are not that way. are not tracking every dime that they spend. The vast majority of people don't do that. Heck, I don't do that. I have savings goals. Savings goals, if I can hit that savings goal, I know I'm, I should get to a certain level of assets by the time I'm ready to, to call it a day. And that level of assets should should allow me to lead the kind of lifestyle I would like to lead in my retirement years, whenever those are going to be. So that's basically, and uh, in fact, I've written a little blog post on this. I'm trying to put this get this blog put together. And it's going to be on, it's going to show up on my website, bullingtoncapital.com. Because one of the things I'm, I'm pretty passionate about is trying to make things as simply, uh, as simple rather, as humanly possible. And for me, retirement planning is nowhere near as difficult as people make it out to be. I, I can't tell you how many thousands of pages I've read on this stuff. 
And the vast majority of it was not very useful or helpful for that matter. In fact, I'll tell you what the 60-second retirement plan is. This is one of the articles that's going to start to show up on this blog when I release it later this fall. The 60-second retirement plan, add up all your sources of guaranteed income, things like Social Security and pension. If you don't know what those are, just call them and find out. They'll give you an estimate. They're required to. So add up what that's going to be and then take your savings and take 4.5% of that savings. And Some people go, well, why am I only taking 4.5%? As the stock market earns over 10, doesn't it? Well, it has since the 1920s, but there are a lot of periods where returns were negative for 10 years or more. So you don't want to be 100% in stock, and you don't want to be counting on spending out 10% because when it goes down 50%, if you're still spending 10%, you may run out of money. So the 4.5% rule is was suggested more recently by one of the largest asset managers on the planet, Actually, they are the largest asset manager at Pass Fidelity not too long ago. So if you use that number, you figure they've probably put some research into it. That's how they got to be as big as they are. <laughs> so 4.5% is the starting point. I promise you, inflation is not going to retire when you do. So if you start at more than 4.5%, you're, you're probably not going to be able to. You're running risk of if you increase that over time that you could potentially run out of money. If you have a retirement that goes 30 years, it goes a lot longer than 30 years, which, you know, I've had quite a few clients actually that lived a lot longer than 30 years after they retired. Amazing. But, you know, you'd be in real trouble. So we're going to use that number. I'm going to use it. I used to use five or even 6% because returns were significantly higher. Heck, you could get a 6% CD. You know, the, uh, but those days are changed they're they're over so we use a four and a half percent rate okay so if you had five hundred thousand that would give you twenty two thousand five hundred dollars if you had a million bucks i'd give you forty five thousand dollars to add that to your everyday i mean sorry your guaranteed income and if that's not enough for you to live on only you know that you need to actually take a look at what your expenses are if if that's enough and you're at that point where you can collect it those pensions and the social security or whatever it is, and you can live off your investments and great, you, you've made it, you've succeeded. If not, you're probably gonna have to do a little planning. Uh, and when, uh, when you're doing that type of planning, it, it, that should, you should start to do that in your, actually right out of college, but no, no college kid wants to do that. I, I promise you, I talk to them all the time. The, uh, but you should start as young as you can. The younger you get started, the easier it is. Uh, and it's not easy. It is not easy to be able to, to save money. But that, again, the 60-second retirement plan, I'll let you know when that, that blog goes live. And that's up there because I know driving around, listening to a radio station or a radio program, pretty hard to stop and write this stuff down. So don't do that. And uh, it's not that difficult. Man, my industry has made this so hard. Uh, let's say you're 50 and you're getting up to that point and you're like, wow, I've got these bonds that are paying 1% or 2%. I know I need to have them because I can't stand to see the value of my portfolio drop by 50% or more. And that happens in the stock market. And I also understand, because I'm sophisticated, that you can't predict that. If you're not sophisticated, you think someone can. If you're, if you're sophisticated, you know better. 
So trying to time that up is not a, uh, is not a good plan. There's been, there've been no one that's ever made and held and kept a significant amount of money by trying to time their entries and exits into the stock market. I got to take a real quick commercial break. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on 1420. Stay tuned because I will be right back. Watching the nightly news Don't seem to find the rhythm Just wanna sing the blues Feels like a song that never In the dark and all alone Growing comfortable Well, welcome back. Hey, if you're just tuning in, my name is Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon right here on 1420. You can also pick this up on my website as a podcast or go to iHeartRadio or go to thefish.com. And my website is bullingtoncapital.com. My contact information is all there. So if you have questions, feel free to reach out and uh, I will get back to you as quickly as I can. And we were just talking, actually we left off with people trying to time the market. Timing the market, the definition is trying to get out of the way or go to cash when you feel like the market's going to go down and then trying to get back in when you feel like the market's going to go back up. Now, let me tell you something. If it were that easy, (laughs) you'd have a ton of billionaires running around, giving money away. Nobody would ever spend their social security checks. Yeah, there would be no hunger Every, every problem would be cured. It, it's just, it's very difficult. I don't care what the ads on Facebook say. Those guys are not, <laughs> they're selling something. It, 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 it's a book or a course or, you know, try my service. Yeah, it, it just doesn't exist. That's the bad news. The good news is you don't need that. You don't need to do that. If you really want to watch something that's useful, Watch the Peter Lynch interviews on YouTube. Watch the Warren Buffett. Read a couple of Peter Lynch's books. Okay. Um, another post I'll put up is how do you size up a company to figure out what it should normally sell for in a few minutes? Can, it, can that really be done? And the, the answer is absolutely yes, it can be done. And when you see a, a company like GameStop and you see how wildly it, it's gyrating, and you look at the value of the company relative to the, the share price, those are not the same thing. Value and price are two different things. Sometimes they line up, most of the time they don't. Thank goodness, because that's actually what creates opportunity in markets. You buy an undervalued stock, and eventually it goes up, that's great. That's a really tough way to do it, by the way. That's called value investing. That's what Warren Buffett's so good at. He likes to buy companies that, he thinks are worth more than they're currently selling for, and then he waits. And one of the uh, companies that he's waited on, I was looking at the other day, it just made a new high, a uh, new all-time high. It was a steel company, and now don't get old people because uh, <laughs> the name of the company is escaping me. But that's funny. Anyway, he's been in that stock for, you know, it was underwater for about 13 years. Underwater. And by the way, dude is the best it's ever lived. <laughs> 
You think you're going to be better than the best that's ever lived? You know what your chances are? They're better. You have a better chance of winning the lottery than you do beating Warren Buffett right now <laughs> over your lifetime. And uh, so, and, and if you ask him, he's going to say, well, yeah, that, that's kind of, that's how it's done. And if you look at the YouTube videos, thank, thank goodness for YouTube. What, what a great uh, innovation. And I knew when they started YouTube, you know, YouTube was not invented by Google. YouTube was a standalone company. And Google looked at it and go, oh, why didn't we think of that? <laughs> well, the next best thing is just buy them. And uh, they, un- they got it. And YouTube's one of the top search engines in the world right now. So I, I'm so thankful for all that stuff. But the thing that I really don't understand is why are you kids not using it? <laughs> why, are you, why are you participating in stocks like GameStop. Now, just, this is really funny. I bought a leap on GameStop. That's the right to buy the stock. You pay a lot less for the right to buy the stock than you will for buying the stock, if you're buying them correctly. So I had a year to exercise that option to be able to buy GameStop and it didn't take off until 18 months after I had bought it. <laughs> That's my luck. You know what? That, if I'd have waited six months, that, that sound that you would hear right now that's uh, really, really, really loud would be me buzzing you in my personal jet. <laughs> so, but uh, anyway, uh, you got to get used to that if you're going to be an investor. Trying to predict the future is just it is such a, a waste of time. And I know that that's one of the biggest hurdles that new investors have to overcome is the desire to try to predict the short-term future over time. What you really need to pay attention to are what are your actions? What are you doing? Is it smart what you're doing? Well, one of the reasons I have a job is to remind people, hey, this is why we're doing this. And they go, oh, oh yeah, 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 okay. I remember now. And uh, that's one of the jobs. One of the other jobs is dealing with all the technology surrounding financial firms today. It is a mess. I mean, it's unbelievable how many passwords, user IDs. I can access this account. Can I coordinate that? How about if I turn on performance reporting? It's a lot. You know, it's a lot. And uh, that's what we help with. At Burlington Capital, we want to help you do whatever it is that you want to do. Now, I won't participate in doing something that's, that's going to hurt you. I just, I'd be an idiot to do that. And I, hopefully I'm not an idiot. But the uh, reality is I don't want people doing things that are going to hurt them, you know, financially. That, that takes a long time to recover from. So in, in some things you're, you're going to go through. You're going to go through a lot of volatility. When I look at how volatile stocks are, do you, let me ask you a question. Do you think stocks are less volatile than they were 20 years ago? Or do you think they're more volatile than they were 20 years ago? And, and I'm going to give you the answer. They're more volatile. And they were really volatile back then. Now they're really, really volatile. And rumors can set things off. So having a good plan, uh, particularly when you get close to retirement age, is is kind of necessary. Uh, the growth that I think we're going to be seeing, I think is going to be good. I think it's going to really help the stock market. We've been talking about this for several years now. This growth phase 
is actually longer than the one that occurred in the late 90s when the Internet, if you're old enough to know, uh, like people that were being born right around then didn't, uh, you know, they're in their 20s now, mid-20s, and they didn't know anything about that. And they don't bother to ask their elders or get a, uh, a book of charts or one of the software packages that you can get that show you what happened to a lot of your favorite companies back then. <laughs> but it was spooky. I mean, it was really spooky. And I can tell you what happened. People got so excited because the growth of the Internet. And rightly so. It was a big thing. But they got too excited. The same way they got too excited with GameStop. GameStop's not worth what it's selling for. It's not worth a fraction of what it's selling for today. Well, then why does it go up there like that? Because buyers are much more aggressive than the sellers are. They're willing to pay higher and higher prices. It's not logical. And that's one of the things that... that as an investor, you've got to get through your head if you're going to be successful in the short run. And the short run is anything less than 10 years. That's the first thing. Most people think the long run is, is six months from now. Bad idea. The, the long run is five to 10 years or longer. Okay? That's where you should be looking up. That's where you can be more accurate with your predictions. For me to say, I believe the stock market will be selling at higher prices 10 years from now than it is today is not nearly as difficult as saying it'll be selling higher next week than it is today. And the, the probabilities are much higher that that first statement is going to be true. So um, I feel like I'm getting off on a, uh, a lot of tangents here. Uh, and I know a lot of people just want to want me to get to the good stuff. Just tell me which stocks are going to go up. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I get a lot of emails like that, but that's okay. Uh, one of the things that you, you really need to know is why stocks are going to go up so that you have some conviction that you don't get scared out of it. And the economy is growing very, very well. It, it's got a lot of things that are in place now that are going to uh, continue to produce growth for an economy. It's not going to be at the same pace every year. It never is. Sometimes it's faster for a few years, and then sometimes it's a little bit slower. But we're going, to have, we're going to experience growth. That's absolutely going to happen. I'm being very encouraged about what I'm seeing today when I look out 10 years from now. I think 10 years from now, everybody's going to be really happy for everything they've invested and left in the stock market for the next 10 years. I'm also sure that it's going to be really, really volatile. So if you can't take that sort of thing, if you're too conservative for that, then you need to start looking at some other things. And right now, some of the uh, the better investments are the indexed annuities, or there's there there's actually variable annuities that come with riders that you can add to them now. There's a big difference between those. Um, the fixed indexed annuities generally offer a much higher rate of a fixed return than the variable ones do. The rates of of return, the increase in the annual income benefit value, that's a, a value that they calculate that they will base your income off of. If the investment happens to perform better than that, then they will use that number instead. Uh, I'm here to, I, it's my opinion that the guarantees are so high that it's highly unlikely that you're going to get growth that's faster than the guarantees because the guarantees are pretty high. That, that's just my personal opinion. Could it happen that the investments grow faster than those? Yes, it could happen. Um, I just don't think it's all that likely. I think that for to be a little bit on the um, more conservative side, I think you're better off just assuming 
that the fixed rate is going to be the rate that you're going to get because it's pretty good. It's really good. In fact, let me do something here. Okay, so I was, uh, I like Nationwide. They, a lot of firms have these products. But I really like Nationwide. So I just put in uh, somebody at my age, I'm 58. Okay, if I put in 100000 bucks today, and then at 67, the, uh, I'm sorry, the, yeah, at 67, it guaranteed me $10,149 a year, 10000 bucks. Now, somebody says, that's 10% a year. Well, no, it's not. I got to wait 10 years. <laughs> but it's a whole lot higher than the 10-year treasury paying 1.4. <laughs> There's no way I'm going to earn, the, I would be able to take that kind of money out 10 years from now in a treasury. It's just not going to happen. It's not going to happen in a CD. CD rates are probably not going to get that high. Why? Because we got somewhere in the mid thirties in the in amount of debt. Okay. Total debt. That's about 145% of GDP, maybe getting closer to it. Yeah. About 145% of GDP, which matches the all time record, by the way, of debt to GDP. We talked about that a little bit earlier in today's uh, radio program, but so when I look at that and that portion of my money, I just don't have to worry about it. Anybody else that's doing the same thing? Let's say you're 62. Um, actually, let me change this up. By the way, I'm actually doing this as I speak. If you would like a link to the website where you can go in and you can play around with these numbers and, and see what you might be eligible for, just email me. It's uh, bill at Bullington Debt Capital. Or you can go to my website, BullingtonCapital.com. So here... I'm going to go to somebody who's 66 because next, you have to wait one year before you start to turn the income on. If you're at 66 and next year you'll be full retirement age for Social Security and you put 100000 bucks in. So this did not take the change. Sorry about that. Hang on. I got to go back to the uh, uh, last page I was on. And, of course, it's going to time out. <laughs> uh, let's see. So I'm going to go back to, and I'm going to take an individual. Um, let's see. Okay. I'm going to start at 57 because that's 10 years away from full Social Security. 100000 bucks. Show my lifetime income. That's actually the one I just did. So 10 years from now, I put 100000 in today. My guaranteed lifetime income from Nationwide, by the way, this is uh, uh, it's only as good as the company that's making the guarantee. Is ten thousand one hundred forty nine dollars for every hundred thousand I put in there. That that's actually a very good guarantee. That you know they're obligated to pay that. Okay. So that is about as uh, good as I've ever seen, and it's in the top three percent of all companies that offer these sorts of products, and it's higher than most of the companies that I've seen that offered them like this. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, the credit ratings on Nationwide are much higher than a lot of the other companies. That's that could be a big deal at some point in time. You want to go with the A-plus rated companies uh, because they, that means they have a, a better ability to make good on these payments. So anyway, you can if you want a link where you can go and put your own numbers in there, uh, feel free to email me. I'm not going to uh, try to, to call you back with you know and bother you if you decide that you wanted that stuff. I let you reach out to me. Um, Hard for me to call back everybody that wants to talk to me. So this is a it's just a free offer. You know, free offer. You can go in there, you can learn a lot about it, and you are a, able to to call and set an appointment either on the phone or in person if you'd like. 
uh, and we can talk about it. This is really important. Most people have a significant portion of their money, and rightly so, into fixed income because they don't want to be down 50% on their entire portfolio. When you put your money in the stock market, you could be down 50% on the entire portfolio. Now, I've seen a lot of stuff where, they, well, we can hedge. We're going to do these things that, you know, we're going to buy a, a put and sell a call, and uh, we're going to hedge the portfolio. Well, that cuts your returns down a lot, and generally it's just not worth it. When you look at all the hedging techniques that are out there, they're just not worth it. Uh, I had a commodities license and an options principles license. I know. They're just not worth it. <laughs> if they were worth it, I would be talking about it because I would be doing it. And I see a lot of people, they like the idea. Hey, I get, I can protect myself. Yeah, you're also going to reduce the amount of return that you might get. Which brings me to another point. There's, a, there's another, this is a new type of a product. It's called an investment only annuity. Investment only. You know, it comes with no insurance. It comes super cheap. There's no cost to get in. There's no cost to get back up. When I say cost to get in, I'm talking about a sales charge. The management fees are typically lower inside of uh, these. There, there are tons of options there. You don't get a 1099 when you rebalance your portfolio inside of an investment-only annuity. The, uh, you, you can add guarantees. I just hear the music. That means i got to take a real quick commercial break. Uh, stay tuned. You're listening to Bill Billington right here on 1420. I'll be right back. Nothing can hold us back. Nothing can tear us apart. Not life, not death. Not the in between. This is just the start. Don't let them keep you down. And we're back. Hey, you're listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon. You can also get a copy of this if you heard something that you liked and wanted to re-listen to it. You can go to iHeartMedia. You can go to 955thefish.com, look on their podcasts, or you can go to my website, Bullington Capital, and uh, just download it there. You can also send me questions if you would like to. You can set up an appointment. There's no cost for a the initial visits or actually any visits for that. I've never charged anybody for it. For a visit, but um, so just feel free to reach out if you have questions and you want me to answer them. I'll get to you as quickly as I possibly can. And so this final segment, I decided after getting an, an email from a, a listener to devote this period to just individual stocks. So oftentimes people ask, you know, well, what makes you different than other advisors? Well, I actually trade stocks successfully. <laughs> That's that makes me a lot different. And I'm going to tell you, it ain't easy. And there are times that you wish you'd never heard of it. That's the other thing that makes me different. I'm going to tell you like it is not like not what I think you want to hear. Because you're going to find out what it's like anyway. (laughs) And uh, if you find out that, you know, it wasn't what you thought it was and people have a tendency to get upset, get, you know, get angry. So I'd rather avoid that altogether. And just, it's, it's a struggle. And you know what? You need help. We all need help. I have people I talk to. Uh, sometimes it's a drag. You know, when you've been stomped out of all your positions, 
and you're looking around and then uh, the market starts to go up without you, um, it feels kind of bad. <laughs> and, uh, but if you hang in there long enough, you're going to get you're going to get your streaks. You're going to get your winning streaks. As long as you manage the risk well enough, you'll get it. So I decided that the last 15 minutes of each show, I would talk a little bit about th- this stuff. And by the way, there's a website out that it's the uh, I actually started it and then I uh, gave it to uh, my intern who's running it is uh, uh, it's called Lookout for the Bull. And it talks about almost all this stuff. Everything you need to know is in there, quite frankly. And the training is free. So the, the one thing you really got to pay attention to is that, that blog post called the 1% rule. So, and by the way, don't be trying to write this down. I'm going to talk about this every week for at least 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, you know, so, cause I still do it. I, I think it's fun. I used to be able to do it on a much larger scale, but stocks have gotten too fast for that. Stocks move way too fast. So this is something that if you're going to do, you're going to have to learn how to do it on your own. Uh, but I'm going to offer help. And, uh, Mike's offering a subscription that will do the scans for you. What are we looking for? We're looking for stocks that are moving up really fast right now. That's what we're looking for. And uh, if you want to make money sooner rather than later, doesn't that make sense? Wouldn't you rather be going into a stock that's going up right now? I mean, it doesn't make sense to buy a stock that's dropping if you want to make money soon because a stock because it's going down. (laughs) So I would have thought that that would have been common sense. But what happens is people get that old saying that you probably heard somewhere, buy low, sell high. Well, good luck with that. You know, that that's value investing. It's not the same thing. It is absolutely, it's an entirely different concept. What we're looking for are companies that are moving up really fast, really right now. And we'd like to see that there's a reason. You know, I, I'll give an example. Here's a company called Tenneco. This company sells auto parts. Now, I don't know about you. Auto parts doesn't seem all that exciting. <laughs> It's like a, kind of a boring business. The stock's $22 when the uh, market really got hit here last last March. It was $2 in, in six, let's see, $2.25. Holy cow. So it's up more than tenfold from there. In 2017, that stock was $67. $66, yeah. No, it hit 70 So the high was 70 so when somebody looks and goes, well, why didn't you buy it at two? Because I had no idea if they were going bankrupt. <laughs> By the way, the most you can lose on a stock is, is actually a lot more than you invest in the stock. It's not the money in the stock. If you put it on margin, you could end up owing money. And that's what happens with a lot of these Reddit players. They, they put $5,000 in, and if they get designated as a day trader, they'll let them borrow up to 25000 bucks. And then they get into a, a GameStop that has a big sell-off, and they end up they had five thousand invested, and now they owe fifteen thousand. And uh, boy, is that a bummer! <laughs> that is a really tough start. Don't ever use margin; just don't do it. And uh, I, I know most older people, and by the way, that's that's my audience are older people. That uh, um, older people could actually do what I'm what I'm doing. Because we're not looking at day trading. I'm not looking at holding this for a week or for a month. I don't know how far it's going to go. I just know that I'm gonna, it's moving up really fast right now. 
going to put some money in it, going to put a stop on it. That's going to get me right back out of it. You know, Peter Lynch hated stops, but he he did this full time and watched these stocks all day, every day. And he had a staff of people helping him. So that's why he doesn't like <laughs> one of the reasons he didn't like stuff. The other fact uh, of the matter is it it's frustrating when you get stopped out of a stock and then it comes right back up on your skin, you know, the next day. You just have to be ready for that. And traders call that getting whipsawed. But uh, it's just part of the process, and it'll happen to you more than once. So, you know, just accept it and uh, just be aware that that can happen. The uh, reason I like Tenneco, okay, the symbol is 10. Uh, it's a very cyclical business. It was a lot higher at one point in time. The valuation on it is crazy low, okay? Got a crazy low valuation. This reminds me of what GameStop was when I bought the long-term leaps on that. Crazy low valuation. Wasn't, you know, the, the, the business is very difficult. Auto parts is an extremely difficult business. Profit margins are not very, very big. The uh it's you know, you got a lot of payroll, you gotta pay all your taxes, you gotta run the business, keep the lights on. It's it's a tough business. But I'm looking at the stock and the pattern, and that's what attracts me to it. It's the pattern, the fact that it's got a very low valuation. I, in fact, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to look up the leaps on this, and probably on, on Monday I'm going to buy leaps on it, the same thing I did with, with uh, GameStop. By the way, I did uh, put uh, 3500 bucks into a leap like this. This, is, this was my biggest return. It, I sold it for 75000 a year later. $3,500 for 75000 I can tell you that that happens less than 1 out of 20. But uh, and typically, you don't even make money on more than one out of five. So, and, and that's if you're really good. Uh, occasionally, you get one of those big home runs, and that makes back everything you lost and then some. And so that's what that's like. And if that doesn't sound very appealing, good. Because it is hard. <laughs> Believe me. Going through that is not easy, and if, if you don't want to do it, then you should find out now, not after you've lost money or th several thousand dollars on a course that didn't work or software that doesn't work. Yeah, and as soon as we can get back to doing some seminars, I'll start to show some of this stuff in, in person. Uh, why do I do it? Well, because it's fun uh, to me. Uh, it's profitable. It's been very profitable. And uh, when you get it, there are only a handful of things that you really need to concentrate on. And this software that I use, and it's like 50 bucks a month, uh, The uh, I wrote the scans. Um, it's the same ones that Mike's using every day to publish that list on lookoutforthebull.com. Uh, once you get that, you really don't have to spend a lot of time doing this. In fact, there's almost it's almost counterproductive. The way that I do it, I go down and I look for a, a specific pattern that I really like. When I see it, I flag that stock. And then I come back to it later to find out what they actually do. So I'm looking, at, first of all, for the price movement. I'm looking for certain signals of the price movement. Then I look to see what the company actually does. I'm looking at the valuation. And oftentimes, because I'm looking at the news every day and, and um, browsing through the headlines for the Wall Street Journal, I'll look at Barron's on the weekends, uh, just to kind of get a feel for what is being talked about, because oftentimes you'll see that those companies that are being talked about are actually running right now. When they're being talked about and it's in a positive light and the stock is making a big move up, man, that gives you just a little more confidence, makes you feel a little better about putting that trade on and uh, can help you. Although uh, there's a, a big part of me that says, don't ever do that, just look at the chart. <laughs> so anyway, that, that first one was a company called Tenneco. Uh, I like the 
chart on that. I already own that stock, by the way. It's come up three times in the last month on the same scan. That's the other thing that's nice about this. You're going to see the same stocks come up. They'll come up more than once. So if you miss it the first time, don't sweat it. You know, if it's going to be a big mover, it's going to come up again. And so that's one of the things I like about uh, doing that. Uh, there's another. I like this one, Community uh, Health System, CYH. Uh, and again, if I buy this, by the way, I'm putting a 5% position on. I have a 10% initial stop. I didn't write that. I wrote a 15% stop on the uh, lookout for the bull. Uh, either way, it's fine. Um, the, uh, an initial stop is not the same thing as a trailing stop. You need to know what the difference between those are. Uh, initial stop is if this stock were to drop. If I were to buy this stock right now at $16.64, I would take basically $1.66 off of that price. That would be my initial stop. If it comes down 10%, I'm out. If I got 5% of my money in, 10% of 5% is one half of 1%. That's why I can enjoy my life. Because if I if I get stopped out on that, it is not going to cost me very much money at all. That is actually the key. It's managing your losses and keeping them small. I'm putting the stocks, all the stocks charts look awesome. You know, they're all, the ones I'm buying have relatively low valuations. They've got good uh, sentiment behind them right now. So everything that could be going for the company is going for it doesn't mean it's still going to work. In fact, I, I lose on about eh, probably more than 50% of my transactions. But the losses are super small, and occasionally you hit a big winner. So that's how that works. A lot of small losers, a lot of small winners, and occasionally you hit a home run. And the main thing is don't strike out. <laughs> you got to stay in the game. To win the game, you got to stay in the game. And you got to figure that out. So, and uh, that's why there are some of the funds that I use in the portfolios we manage for people and I have most of my money in are using math that's extremely similar to that. This is where I, that's where I learned it. Okay. They've got some, uh, uh, some things. We're actually a little more flexible than they are because we can be because we're smaller than they are. When you get size, when you've got over a billion dollars under management, there's just certain things you can't do anymore. Well, that's not my, that's not my problem. <laughs> yeah. But the funds that do this, that do stuff that's similar to this, they've got great track records if you give them a long enough time period and look at it. Um, typically, a couple hundred basis points higher than the S&P 500, which is really hard to do. And uh, um, But over any 1, 12, or 18, even a four or five-year time period, toss a quarter. I have no idea whether it's going to beat it that, over that time period or not. I just know that in the long run, the factors that they're looking at and focusing on have a tendency to give you a slight edge. And that edge has a tendency to show up. So if I could just figure out when, <laughs> we'd be good to go. So anyway, those are a couple of companies that I really like. I also like this one. It's uh, flowers.com, F-L-W-S. I really like the chart pattern on that one. Plus, it's got a fairly decent valuation on it. And when companies like this one get bought out, they're uh, the you know if you want to send flowers to somebody, you just go to flowers.com. And I've used them. I use them all the time. So I've, but when I buy it, I'm still going to put a 10% stop on it. And if it goes down, it's out. <laughs> See ya. I don't care how much I like this stock. The, uh, I like my money more <laughs> and you got to protect it. So, but I really like the, uh, uh, the shape of the, um, pattern on that. As you watch or listen to this program more frequently, if you are listening to it, you will notice that when I'm talking about certain stocks, it's because they all have very similar chart patterns. You'll start to notice what I'm, what it is that I'm 
trying to focus in on. Here's another one I really like. It, it, the valuation gets me on it, though. Uh, it's Restoration Hardware. That's that store that sells that super expensive stuff for your kitchens and your bathrooms. And uh, I mean, I never understood. <laughs> I have never understood that company. But the uh, I, I anyway, it's had higher valuations than it has today. It's at an all time high uh, or close to its all time high. And it gapped up today. It's 700 bucks a share. That doesn't matter anymore because they're not charging commissions on a uh, share price. And they'll sell you fractional shares now. So uh, um, I'll have to explain what that means next week. But it's got a phenomenal chart pattern, even though the stock is overpriced. And here's here's what's really nice about this. I go in the, in the store and I'm like, oh, my Lord, who is paying the prices <laughs> for all this stuff? And and why does that why is the stock so over? It's selling for two and a half times the normal valuation of a company that would be similar to it. What is up with that? But. Stock's running. <laughs> so I'll buy it, put my stop on there, and just let it rip. Who knows? You know, it might be a big winner, might not, might get stopped out the same day I buy it. Yeah, that's just the way it goes. But even if I did, it's not going to cost me a lot of money. And that that's the key. Keep those losses as small as you can. Put yourself in a position to get lucky and uh, just keep your head down and keep going. But uh, so that's the 15 minute segment that I promised to do on individual stocks. You can feel free to call me about that too. This is more like a hobby today than it is uh, uh, what I'm doing for a living because a lot of the funds that are out there, like I said, there there are a lot of funds that are doing the exact same, well, not the exact same, thing. they're doing stuff that's extremely similar. And the only reason to do this is that you really just like doing it. And occasionally, occasionally, like that first company I was talking about today, uh, I will go up and look up to see what the leaps are on that. And that's something I'll talk about leaps next week. Cause that's something you, you probably really want to have a little more information on before you get started. These are extremely high level uh, transactions. So as a novice rookie, you should not be doing these. You should not be doing the leaps at all. You shouldn't be playing around with options. Uh, and if you're going to start with options, start learning what a covered call is that that's a good place to start. And you can do very well with that today, too. But another topic for a future show. Anyway, I appreciate everybody listening. This is Bill Bullington here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420, also 955thefish.com. Go to Bullington Capital to reach out to me personally. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report, broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.